0: As Katie said, Happy Valentine's Day. Today marks this day where St. Valentine was martyred, a real person. And I know that it seems like a strange thing to celebrate love on a day someone dies. But one of the legends about St. Valentine was that he was performing sneaky weddings for Christians when helping Christians was a crime. Another legend says that in order to remind soldiers of their vows to their beloveds before they went off to battle, he cut them a heart out of parchment to have with them. This has absolutely like zero things to do with the sermon today, but I just needed to take a moment to highlight it because this day isn't just a hallmark holiday and I don't want to miss the opportunity to share about saints and sneaky weddings. I think it's awesome. So Lent begins this coming week, which means today is Transfiguration Sunday. It is the Sunday before Lent. Last year, I remember saying during Lent that it was the most Lenty Lent that had ever Lented. Do you remember this? It feels so long ago already. And here we are again. And while Ash Wednesday is important, and I always appreciate it, like Pastor Chad said, I do love Lent as a season. I'm not sure if any of us really truly need a reminder of our mortality for 40 days, right? We don't need really 40 more days in the wilderness, I feel that. Uh, I'm pretty tired of the wilderness, if I'm being honest. And more than ever this year, I'd like to just skip straight from Transfiguration to Easter. Let's just stay up there, please and thank you. God speaks from the clouds twice in the Gospel of Mark, once at the baptism of Jesus and once here on the mountaintop for Transfiguration Sunday. The first time the heavens were torn open, Mark says, and the voice of God proclaims to Jesus, you are my beloved. A word that was spoken to Jesus right before he sent into the wilderness and beyond. Almost like Jesus needed the reassurance of who he was before he went into the hard things. But today, here in this moment, we are on a mountaintop. And God appears in a great cloud and speaks not to Jesus, but to James and John and Peter. This is my son, God says. The beloved. Listen to him. Now this happens as Jesus is neon white and surrounded by Elijah and Moses who haven't been on earth alive in some time so it seems like something out of a fever dream and my favorite author and image painter and theologian Barbara Brown Taylor retells the story as only she can so I'd like to read you a little bit of that today. She says, It starts with a long climb up a windy mountain in the fading light of day Hunting for a strong place to pray. No talking for once, no wall of words between you and the others, just breathing. Sit down. You are here to pray, so get on with it. Pray until you are weighed down with sleep. Pray until it is dark enough to see the light through your eyelids where light should not be. You don't really want to open your eyes to see where the light is coming from, but you kind of do, but you don't, and then you look, and there he is, someone whom you thought you knew really well, standing there, pulsing with light, leaking light everywhere, face like a flame, clothes dazzling white, and then is that if that weren't enough, two other people are there with him, all of them standing in that same bright light. Who are they? It can't be. Moses, Elijah, dead men come back to life. God's own glory lighting up the night. Now they're leaving. Now Peter's saying something. Tense. We need tents. He thinks we're on Sinai. Someone should tell him we're not on Sinai. Now there's a cloud coming in fast that is way more than weather. A terrifying cloud that is also alive, covering everything up. And a voice from the cloud lifts the hairs on the back of your neck. Fear so fast and primitive, you're bristling like a dog. What's it saying? Not listen to me, but listen to him, the son, the beloved. Listen to what? He's not saying anything. He's shining. Or at least he was, because now he's not. Now it's over. Now what? If you've ever had something that remotely weird happen to you, you know why Peter, James, and John were relieved when Jesus told them to keep what had happened to themselves. (laughs) She's so wonderful. So what's the point then of the story? I mean, they obviously do not keep it to themselves, right? How could you, really? I imagine between the three of them, they may have started in whispers saying, hey, do you remember when we were up on the mountain praying and Jesus started shining? Do you remember that like I remember that? That that really happened, right? There are many interpretations of this story. Many sermons have been preached on this story. A lot of people doing just what we are doing today, trying to understand what had happened and why. Here's one example. There is a lot of very interesting. I am nerding out on this because I think it's super interesting, but scholarly interpretation about the presence of Elijah and Moses on that mountain with Jesus. This is a theory that says, you know, Elijah is representative of the prophets and Moses represents the law. And when God tells the three disciples present to listen to Jesus, God is saying Jesus is above the law and the prophets. That's so Interesting. And I I really think it's awesome, and I could spend a whole day talking about it, but I don't actually think it's the point of this story. Sure, there may be a deeper meaning there, but I wonder if this story is just an experience of God that happens. I think the words of God here mirroring the words spoken at Jesus' baptism, but in a new place and to a different audience or where we find the meaning of this story today. See, Jesus heard the words of love spoken to him, words of God naming and claiming him before the days in the wilderness. They sustained him. They helped him remain faithful even during difficult days, even during temptation. And James and John and Peter heard these words about Jesus before heading down the mountain and setting off with him towards Jerusalem they did not know it but there were hard days ahead and when hard bad days happen it's easy to doubt what we have seen and heard you know james and john and peter have been with jesus for a little while now they have seen some things they've heard him preach and teach they've seen him heal and feed and be with people help People, they know who he is. They do deep down inside already know who he is. But to hear it from God on a mountain in the clouds, that's something else entirely. And it becomes a sort of sustenance for the hard times to come as they leave that mountain and go down into the valley below. We sometimes have this idea that if we just stay in the place where we experience God, we'll be okay. It's why Peter instructs them to build tents. Can we please, please, this instinct to build a tent? It's not bad. He gets it. He wants to keep the feeling around. He wants a place to come back to where maybe God might stay for a while. But we were never meant to stay on the mountain. Sure, the view is great, but the air is thin. As Glennon Doyle says, the valley is where the life happens. We always, always come back down from the mountaintop. And that's okay. What happens on the mountain isn't actually what matters. What matters is what we bring down the mountain with us. This promise, this reminder I think we sometimes assume that we have these experiences of God wherever they might happen. We call them mountain top experiences even if you're not on an actual mountain when they happen. And we come we'll come down this mountain. We'll leave this experience of God and we'll be some new theological genius, right? We'll have All the answers, no more doubt. We're not going to have a single difficult day, no more struggles. It's just going to slide right off of you like the mountaintop coated you with some sort of spiritual Teflon. But it's not how it works. We come down the mountain to the valley where life is, and honestly, life kind of sucks. At the end of our hike with our blistered feet and our tired bodies, we sit down by the river. And it is there in that moment of rest and exhaustion we remember what we heard. This is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. This is more than an experience of God that sustains us until our next one. It's a reminder that Jesus is giving us a path to follow despite the challenges that come our way. So Jesus walks down this same mountain and what does he do? He teaches and he preaches and he feeds people and he heals people. Listen to him. God says. Now in the valley where all the life is, it gets, it gets pretty loud, right? A lot of people down there in the valley telling us what to do, what to believe, telling us what is true and what is not true. The story is not actually about the mountain, but about listening for God's voice in the valley. Listen to him. Because Jesus didn't stay on that mountain either. He walks down that mountain with us, stays with us as we go into the Loud Valley and reminds us of who we are and whose we are every single day. Jesus reminds us that our work is and always will be joining God in the work of love and liberation in the world. Always. And we don't go alone. We often read poems by Jan Richardson here at Prince of Peace. You know how much we love her. And she has a poem for this Sunday, Transfiguration Sunday, called When Glory. And it's a reminder that as much as our instinct is to just jump from mountaintop to mountaintop, transfiguration to Easter, please don't make me go through the wilderness. Again, longer, still, that God always goes with us. And God doesn't stay on that mountaintop either. When we go down, God goes with us. And she reminds us that we come down the mountain with God all the way, all the way down. So her poem is called, When Glory. That when glory comes, we will open our eyes to see it. That when glory shows up, We will let ourselves be overcome, not by fear, but by the love that it bears. That when glory shines, we will bring it back with us, all the way, all the way, all the way down. Amen. So as we celebrate the Transfiguration on this Sunday, the the need that Peter expresses so clearly to stay there, just, can we just stay here? I feel that so deeply this year that I don't wanna go down into the valley. I see what's down here where the life is. It kinda sucks right now. I don't wanna go back into the wilderness. I don't wanna be here. I'd like to just stay up here where the view is beautiful and Jesus is all shiny. I get that instinct so strongly, and yet the song that Paul sang for us where he said, with love going before you and these people by your side. This is what it means to walk down the mountain together, that we go into the valley, into life, where it's not easy and it's not simple and things are hard and challenging and we struggle. But we are reminded that God goes with us and we only need to listen to the words that have been spoken over us. You are loved and you do not go alone. So do we together today, walk down this mountain as we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God, amen.